It is Locked on Jazz for the 21st of November. You give Quinn Snyder an extra day to prepare for somebody just lost to, and you give Rudy Gobert a night to be able to redeem himself, and I like the Jazz chances. That's what happened last night in Minnesota. We'll break down what the Jazz did. Thank goodness for Andrew Wiggins. A nice win for Utah. We'll talk some more about uh, Mike Honley's growth. And take your questions on a Locked on Live edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, a Thursday edition coming to you live. So if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, like most of you, the audio is a little different today because we are live on Instagram at DLock09. We are live on Periscope at Locked on Sports. We are locked on live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And looking forward to taking all of your questions and comments on the show, you can follow me at Locked On Sports on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at DLock09. You can follow me on Snapchat at DLock9. I try to give you updates on the games and all that's going on uh, so far. I'll tell you what, yesterday, uh, this is, if you're new to the show, it's Locked On Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. We give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully make it a lot more fun to you, for you to be a Jazz fan. I just finished recording uh, a morning edition of Locked on NBA with Ben Golliver. Super good show today, so make sure you go grab that. Uh, ben was at the Celtics-Clippers game, so for your NBA. And rejecting the screen has P.J. Carlissimo on this week, so that's a good one. Uh, I'm looking forward to taking all of your questions and getting to all of those things, so let's make sure we get to that. But first, let's review uh, the win by the Jazz last night. Really, truly, uh, if you listen to uh, the shoot-around report that we do on Instagram with Ron Boone, I said Jazz are going to win. I just went to shoot around. It was so clear the Jazz were so focused. Uh, they had made the next, you know, they had made adjustments. They simply were going to treat Carl Anthony Towns like a shooting guard, which is crazy. He's seven one, and you really do have to treat him like he's a shooting guard. He is seven foot one, and he takes the second most, fourth most amount of threes, makes the second most of anyone in the NBA, takes the most catch and shoot threes in the entire NBA, and that's how the Jazz guarded him. And to Rudy's credit. Rudy was able to make the plays that had to be made. Like, uh, impressively, Rudy's now 7-1 and able to go out on the floor at that, like, incredible 30 feet and guard Carl Anthony Towns without a great deal of fear that Towns is going to put it on the deck and drive by him. Towns tried in the first matchup to beat him in the post. He didn't do it. Then we tried to dunk on him. Uh, Rudy blocked it, and last night, early in the game, if you go back, Towns tries to drive with the right hand to the rack, and Rudy doesn't let him do it. And and, and so Towns is incredible, and so now Rudy has eliminated two of the mechanisms by which uh, he is a, you know, you're able to beat him. One is in the post, one's off the bounce. You can't do those, and now you're a three-point shooter, and now Rudy's up on you, and Carl Anthony Towns scores three points in the first half, takes five shot attempts in the first three quarters, he gets some frustrated shots off late, but really, remarkably, the Jazz had a defensive game plan with a seven-footer in Rudy Gobert that was able to take that away. Offensively, they looked way better. Uh, Minnesota is not a great defensive team, but they're aggressive, so you've got to hold it together. And what happened, the offensive adjustment, is Quinn just told the guys, slow down, slow down. The Jazz were so rushed getting into that floater zone and paint non-restricted at such a speed that they they were making tip they just took terrible shots in the Monday matchup and literally the shoot around talk was get in the paint 
Get in there. Slow down. Mess them up a little bit. Make plays out of there. Doesn't have to always be that you shoot. And that's exactly what Donovan did. And Mike Conley is just making huge strides. And you know what? I've talked to a lot of people about Mike Conley. And the number one thing that everyone's telling me about Mike Conley is when he gets hot, it'll last a month. And he might be on the verge of it. Uh, and it'd be nice if he could do it on this road trip playing Eastern Conference guards instead of Western Conference guards. Uh, because he really, uh, last night we saw three Nash dribbles out of him. Uh, and the value of the Nash dribble, and this is why this is so important, is so Mike Conley has been used to been playing with a pick and pop big. We've talked about this a lot. I apologize for those of you who are hearing this all the time. Hopefully we have some new listeners. Our listener numbers have actually been mammoth recently. So I've got, uh, I, I almost feel like anyone in the world has to be listening every day, which might be true because you guys are so awesome. But um, on the other end, let's assume some new people are in. So Mike Conley plays the pick and roll with Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol pops or, or half rolls. That means that when Mike Conley's been able to drive to the basket, he's going downhill with no big there because the bigs out guarding Marcus Gasol are dealing with Marcus Gasol. And when instead, now, so that's what he's been doing. Now, uh, Zach uh, Bogdan wants to know what is a Nash dribble. So let me back up a step here. So here's what Mike Conley was doing. He had the big popping back, rolling to the mid-roll, and... When Mike Conley would make his decision, he would make it at the free throw line because he could then decide if he was going to go floater, if he was going to go all the way to the rim for the layup, if the big was pulled back. Now, with playing with a rolling big like Rudy Gobert, it's different. He ends up having to make the decision later. What was happening to him when he makes the decision later was he was getting inside the trees and turning the ball over because the reason he makes, made the decision at 13, 14 feet was because at six feet tall, he's not big enough to throw over people. Well... Now he's learning how to make the decision later. Well, one of the decisions he has to add to the list is instead of, as he gets in deeper, you're either lobbing to Rudy, you're throwing your floater, eh, but he's done it for 13 years, so he probably makes $30 million, so he probably should let him. You know, that's how he made his living. So you don't want to totally tell him he can't do it anymore. Um, It's not a great shot, though, and it's even his, he's good at it, and it's still not a great shot. Um, And then the next step is, so you throw your floater, you go all the way to the rim, you lob to Rudy, or... You keep the dribble alive and come back the other side. Talking to John Hollinger, who was the GM in Memphis for those eight years, and now you can get him on Hollinger and Duncan, he's like, in eight years, I don't think Mike Conley ever did it. I asked Mike, Mike's like, yeah, I don't think I've ever done it. Mike Conley did it once the other night against Minnesota. He did it three times last night. It worked all three times last night. And what it's what Ricky Rubio, if you think about Ricky Rubio, used to drive and get that reverse little layup. That was part of the Nash dribble. Um, and able... That was Rubio's a little bit more athletic and longer uh, in some ways than Mike. They have different skills. I'll bet we start to see Mike figure out how to make that layup. We're seeing Mike, uh, and I asked him post-game, really fascinating interview post-game, what this has been like, and he said it's been humbling and invigorating. Like he thought he had it all figured out, and he's finding out there's a different way to play, and that's got to be hard for him uh, in a lot of different ways to, to play. But he Nash dribbled three different times. It opened up. One of them was kind of a half Nash where he hit Boy instead of a layup, he hit Boyan on the three late in the ballgame. But what that tells you is that he hadn't made his decision yet. He made his decision later. And so Boy- he sees Boyan, even though he's got a layup, he sees Boyan and gets it to him. Uh, he Nash dribbled two other times around. That's why he didn't turn the ball over last night. He had zero turnovers last night because he was coming through on that Nash dribble and being able to get around to the other side. It's a huge, huge step 
for where he is as a player. And I said this whole time that the first time we see him Nash dribble, he's now playing for the Utah Jazz instead of the Memphis Grizzlies. We've now seen back-to-back games with the Nash dribble. There, I'll get into it tomorrow because I'm actually going to write up a report on this um, for my own knowledge just because I want to look into it. There's, there's something going on with pick and roll uh, defense in the NBA. Defense is winning right now. So offense is down. Uh, to 107 points per 100 possessions. Last year during the regular season, it was 110. Uh, Offense gets better as the season goes on. Last year, the number at this point of the year was 108. So offense is down a point per possession. See, it's not very much, right? It's 1%, but it's, you know, it's something. Um, So that's worth keeping an eye on. And I think it's the bigs are dropping. Uh, and we do have a sample size. We got 15, like small sample size theater is over now, by the way. The playoff teams are, like the Eastern Conference, eight teams are all the playoff teams. The Western Conference playoff teams, I'll bet you seven of the eight are set. I would guess that if we froze the standings right now, 15 of the 16 teams that are in the playoffs will be in the playoffs when the year starts. I don't know who the 16th is that's not in, but I'm, I'm guessing it's a Western Conference team because I think the, or an injury, but I think the Eastern Conference eight is probably set. Um, so we can start to look at trends, and one of the trends right now is that scoring is down by a point per 100 possessions, and we'll see whether or not it upticks. Uh, usually it does as the year goes on. It usually upticks, but it'll be interesting to see if it does. There's some rule changes that have been made, some things that I think have done that. Um, but anyway, that was a big step. There's a few other things in the game I want to get to. Uh, I do want to tell you about a really loyal listener, uh, Sarah over at Sun Print Solutions. Sunprint Solutions is a Utah company. Uh, Sarah and her partner own it. Uh, Originally started about 1941. They've got about 100 employees. uh, Utah's own. Uh, And they, I mean, they're incredible. You think about our sponsors. Intercap, uh, Chase Marketing, uh, Murdoch Hyundai, uh, Shamrock Auto. They can help every single one. Grip 6. They can help every, the store. Every single one of our sponsors could use Sunprint Solutions. So your company probably could too. Whether it's advertising, direct mail, some sort of boxing for swag, customer printing, uh, a beautiful printed piece. They did some pieces for the Jazz. I, they, when I asked what, they suddenly got very quiet, so there must have been some sort of an NDA going on there. Uh, they work for Zions Bank, U of U, Little Caesars, Ancestry.com, Chums, all sorts of did any type of printing. And then the really cool thing where they could do stuff for Intercap at Sun Print Solutions is that they are HIPAA certified. So all your personal information is secure. So any of the mailing and the government mandatory direct mails they have to do, they can do all those for you. And Sarah and her company protects the uh, da- your data. Let's say it's the store, direct mail, showpiece for vendors, coupons, special packaging. All could be done with Sunprint Solutions. If you have any printing need at all, business to business, it's Sunprint Solutions. Sarah at sunprintsolutions.com. That's S-A-R-A at sunprintsolutions.com. S-A-R-A at sunprintsolutions.com. Rejecting the screen has PJ Carlissimo this week. So that should be a really, really good show. Ben Golliver and I did Locked on NBA. That's up for you. As well. All right, let's get to some of the questions. I, I want to point out a few things interesting. Um, Jazz blew it up a little bit. Also, the, the you know you always wonder how is it possible that you get a better player and sometimes your team gets less good. The return of Andrew Wiggins did not help the Timberwolves last night. Uh, they ran the Carl Anthony Towns, Jeff Teague pick and roll about 30 times in the first game. They ran about eight last night. Some of it was the Jazz were blowing it up and defending it really well. Some of it also, though, was Andrew Wiggins was out there taking 22 shots and the ball just, they didn't have the same opportunity. It's, you know, it's funny how team composition works, but I would say Andrew Wiggins' return last night helped the Jazz. 
uh, and changed the way that game was played a little bit uh, last night. Um, bench play is really concerning. Like, But, you know, we knew this when the year started, right? Like, we signed Jeff Green, who I thought was really good last night, who's been negative for his team in 11 of the 13 places he's been. Okay, that's, like, I hope we're not, Jeff Green was really good last night. My concern leaving last night is we are dependent on Jeff Green to play well for us to win because he did not play well the night before. Uh, if that's the case, that's that's problematic. We sh- I, I thought we had built it in a manner so that if Rudy and Donovan played well, we were going to win. I like that uh, a heck of a lot more. Emmanuel Moutier is a project. Like, we're teaching him how to play. He has been an incredibly negative plus-minus player and incredibly inefficient in both Denver and New York and shown signs of getting a lot better. Last night, he did not make his mid-range shots. Most people don't. And he st- took a little bit of a step backwards. The backup center position with Ed Davis hurt has been, you know, tough. Tony Bradley was... Uh, a CSO or whatever that yin yang, whatever that, you know, like in his performances. And they've gone to Jeff green as the center against Minnesota. I do like Jeff green playing center for this reason that he did it about 17% of his minutes in both Washington and Cleveland. And I actually think it's a lineup that you have to have at some point during the year. You're, you're going to have to have that small lineup, a popping big. Um, and, you know, I don't know if pick and roll Jeff green, everyone's just going to switch it. But I do think you have to have that in your repertoire. So if Ed Davis is hurt and out for a little while, we might as well try it and see how it works and get used to it. And frankly, probably not entirely fair to criticize Jeff Green for his performance in night one. I don't think he, you know, they hadn't done it a lot in practice. It was They haven't had a lot of practice. It's not as though Jeff Green's run a bunch of stuff as the center. So there was a tentativeness and an unsure of the way he played in that game uh, against Minnesota in the first one that probably is part of the reason. George and Yang's trying to find a, a spot. You know, it hasn't good. And Dante last night was tough. Like, I'm not sure you can play Emmanuel Moutier and Dante Exum together. Uh, I, You know, Dante is trying to work his way back. And, the, you know, as, as somebody said, like three years ago, we just throw Dante out there for 22 minutes a night and, and let him just play and get ready. We're, we're not, we're here to try to win the West. And so we're not here for... You know, regardless of impact on team, here's 22 minutes and go get ready. We've moved past that as a franchise, and that's going to make Dante getting back into things um, a little bit more. All right, let's go to some of the questions. Uh, It seems like Moutier is completely unconcerned about passing the ball. Does he get better? Is he just going to be our go-to scorer off the bench? He's not a natural passer. Um, I think it's... Part of the reason Joe has struggled so much is that that none of the guys in that group are natural passers. Jeff's not a natural passer. Uh, Jeff gets in the open court. He's going to the rim, and he's so athletic at 33 years old. He's able to usually draw a foul or get there, but he, he is also missing wide-open shooters. That's just he goes to the rim. Moutier's not a natural passer. Moutier's game, which is so different than ours, is Moutier's so incredibly athletic with these amazing feet that he's able to get by whoever's guarding him almost every single time. He can beat his guy every single time. Try getting a guy who's done that his whole life to understand that maybe that's not what you want. It seems strange, right? Well, if I can beat my guy, you want that. Well, yeah, if you can beat your guy and then head eyes out and find the next guy and create the blender, then we're probably interested, but not just to go to the basket. What we've seen the last two games is some of his struggles at the rim throughout his career. He's got this incredible athleticism, amazing feet, quick burst, great size, no lift. Like as weird as athletic as athletic, as we look at athletes, not every single one of the pieces comes together. So he's not a great rim finisher. And so that's where you saw the mid-range and those neat pivots and those step-back little things he put into his game. That's his development that he's added over some time. 
And it just, they didn't fall the other night. All right, let's get to some more of your questions. Great, great numbers today. Love uh, all of you out there. Uh, are you looking to do points gained anytime soon? Super curious to see what Donovan is. I am looking to do points gained. I'll probably do it tomorrow on the show. Lucas, thanks for reminding me. I ran it the other day. I have it uh, non-updated. Uh, I just took a check to see who. Carl Anthony Towns was the number one offensive player in the league with Devin Booker um, is what I was just trying to see who was hot. Donovan before last night was a little below average, but last year he was about one point below average, and this year he was about .3 below average. Um, so Donovan still, shot selection is just tough um, on that. How does Stockton to Malone points per possession on the pick and roll compared to top combinations for the Jazz and the NBA currently? That is a great question, and I don't know that we have it. Dave Nelson with a really good question from our Facebook account. Uh, I do not know that we have that one. Um, so I'm not, I don't know the answer to that. It's a good question. Uh, offense in that era was down a little bit, so I would guess it might be off a little bit. Uh, hi from Athens, Greece. Will we need bench production? Will we sign a free agent? Well, Andy Larson put in his article in the Salt Lake Tribune yesterday that he's talked to people who have said that the Jazz will be active in the buyout market, which would be new. We've never been able to get a player to come on a buyout market before. Uh, I don't know who the buyouts will be, so that will be interesting to see um, what that is. I had not heard that. We do not have a lot of trade pieces. That is going to be trying to find uh, dollar figures for trade pieces is going to be hard for us to pull off. Uh, Dante's $11 million, if he has any value. Uh, trading Ed Davis at $5 million would be hard since we don't really have a backup center. And that's the only contract numbers that like are substantial, right? Emmanuel Moody and Jeff Green are on minimums. Um, George Yang's on a minimum. You're not trading Boyan, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. Royce O'Neal is on a small contract, so really you just don't – I mean, that, I wasn't suggesting those are the guys you trade. I'm just giving you the contract numbers, and that's – if you're trying to do things, that's how you do it. Um, forgive the hearsay in my question, but is Quinn Snyder actually a good offensive coach? Um, I mean, they run great stuff. Um, he certainly hasn't had an offensive team until this year. Uh, let's see how the year plays out. I'm not sure I would – um, I'm not sure I would judge him just on this year, but I do think he's a good offensive coach and we run pretty good stuff and you're seeing him evolve and change as the year goes on. So um, I think that that's, um, you know, yeah, I think it's probably hearsay. Uh, or, you know, I, I think most people in the league think of him as a elite level offensive coach and we'll we'll see it probably come to fruition as the year goes on. Uh, time to sign a free agent big to back up Rudy. Epe Udo or Trevor Booker? I mean, Ed Davis is hurt and returning here at some point. Uh, Epe's in China. Trevor is pretty small still. Um, so, I, you know, and I, I love Trevor, so I, I would be all in for seeing Trevor every day. He's one of my favorite people. Um, but I'm not sure that Trevor's really a backup center. Uh, Rob says, I think that was Mike Conley's best jazz game ever. He Nash dribbled and waited to make the proper assist. He absolutely right, Rob. Uh, he was absolutely super. Zach, we explained the Nash dribble. If you're just tuning in or you missed it, the Nash dribbles, when you start on one side of the floor, you snake underneath and come back out the other side. You flip the defense. There's a lot of different things, um, you can do. Interesting question. Super Finn 23. Should Rudy be in the MVP conversation for how dominating he has been so far? We are the number one defensive team in the league with a team that people did not think would be number one defensively. 
Um, if Luka's in the conversation for MVP because Dallas is the number one offensive team in the league, then Rudy should probably be in the conversation for us being the number one defensive team in the league. So, yes, I would say yes to that, um, but very hard to analyze, right? So what do you look at? Well, you look at the fact that the Jazz have held, you know, X amount of opponents under one point per possession. That doesn't, like, that's just not going to make the Twitter sphere um, blow up the same way Luka Doncic with another incredible triple-double is. And even for myself, who is, like, the biggest proponent of these kind of things and talks about it all the time and the value of defense, like, I... Like, I would have a really, I, I think you're right in what you're saying. And if I was just totally honest about it, like, it would be hard for me to try to, like, make the claim that somehow what Rudy Gobert is doing is more impactful than what Luka Doncic is doing at a 40-point triple-double and a 30-point triple-double. It feels like feels like he's become LeBron. And so it totally feels to me as though, you know, what Luke is doing is more valuable. And yet I know that offense is as important as defense. And if Luke is the reason Dallas is the number one offense and Rudy's the reason the number one defense, then it should be that way. But the jazz have, have now held, uh, I, I'm trying to look, they held their first three opponents, the first five opponents, six, seven of their opponents so far this year under a point of possession. And they have not allowed a single team all year offensively to have an offensive performance equal to the league average offensively. That is incredible. 14 games, the Jazz have not had an offensive team have an offensive performance above league average. So that that's, yeah, absolutely. No question. Rudy should be considered for the MVP. Now. Will that actually happen? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Locked On offers, Locked On sponsors for you. If you go to LockedOnPodcast.com and then click uh, slash offers, you get all of the offers that are on our entire network. So even the NFL channel, uh, the NBA channel, all of them with our Courier sponsors. So Audible, the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainments, Get a 30-free-day trial. You get to choose one audiobook and two Audible Originals. Absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash NBA to get that. Uh, and you can just scan down. There's all the offers are there at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Away, uh, luggage, uh, Peloton, DoorDash, Manscaped, Indochina, Postmates, Plinkist, Mack Weldon, MyBookie, all there for you at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Love the Thursday live shows. They are always uh, fun to have on board. L- appreciate you as well, uh, bringing to being a part of them and giving us your um, your questions. Uh, for a long time, we have been doing these shows. We try to do them on Thursdays uh, for you. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by Intercap. That's the great Steve Carter. Intercap does amazing work for all of our. Uh, locked on listeners, and I keep just getting email after email from people telling me that they've used Intercap, and it's been amazing. Since Intercap's been with Locked On, I'd love to take all the credit. I don't think it's probably true. They have just blown up. Uh, now 15 branches in Utah, from St. George to Logan, Twilla to Vernal. Also branches in Boise, Vegas, Phoenix, uh, opening some others. They doubled their revenue already this year uh, from a year ago. It's a 40-year-old company that Josh Romney brought in April of 2016 to Utah, headquartered in Utah, employed Utah people, hyper-responsive. They embrace change and give you a great borrow experience. We did our refi with 
Intercap, and the reason why they're growing so fast is they get deals done. Steve Carter's our guy. Call Steve at 385-885-28, 385-885-28. Steve will help you out, and tell him, make sure you tell him you're the Locked On Jazz. You'll get the corporate discount. We've built Locked On Jazz as a corporate entity uh, for Steve, and the reviews that come in are just endlessly awesome uh, from everyone who's used Steve Carter. So find out for yourself. Give Steve a call. That number again for Steve Carter's 385-800-8528. Intercaplending.com. Intercap Lending NMLS number 190465. Back to our questions. Would you like to see Mike Conley bring the ball up the floor more? Would you like to see the ball in the hands of Donovan in his hands instead of Donovan at the end of games? I don't know. I feel like our go-to play at the end of games right now is a Donovan Boyan Bogdanovich um, Peel with Mike Conley spaced as a one of the best catch and shoot guys in the NBA. I mean, I, I actually, I actually would like to see more catch and shoot out of Mike Conley. It's not something he's done a lot in his career, but he's in the 99th percentile in catch and shoot, and I think he's been brilliant so far this year. So if there was a way that Donovan or somebody else had the ball in their hands and got Mike Conley opportunities on catch and shoot, um, and frankly, if we rotated. Uh, to Mike Conley on a key moment in a game of a Donovan Boyan play where somebody came and helped off that, boy, I would be all up for that. Like, I don't think anyone's going to leave him, but um, so far this year, I'm looking it up as we speak, Mike Conley, catch and shoot, 14 of 35, 40%. So he must have missed a few because um, I thought he was better than that. Catch and shoot so far this year, Boyan Bogdanovich. 35 of 70 for 50%. Jeff Green, 38%. Donovan Mitchell, 46%. Mike Conley, 40%. Joe Ingles, just 34 Royce O'Neal, 53%. This is why we can't get open threes, though. Is it no one's leaving those guys at all? At all. And why would you with those numbers? So it's a really interesting trick for us. It's such, We asked all offseason, did we get open looks because of the fact that we had crappy shooters or because of Quinn's offense. And, you know, it's turning out that some of it is due to the crappy shooters we had, that people left those guys open. Should Quinn do a simple pick and roll more often like the Rockets? I get your point that Gobert still needs touches, but sometimes I think we should just do a play with more lineups. Uh, This is off our YouTube account. So, actually, the pick and roll is we run more than anyone else in the NBA, and we drive more than anyone else in the NBA. Um, so I don't know if we could run more pick and roll and the Rockets really run isolation. We might want to run more with the Rockets one. What the Rockets do is they put Clint Capella basically at the end of the pick and roll. So the pick and roll is you set the pick Rudy rolls and Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, whomever rolls down to the basket. Well, the next step is that, is that actually Rudy is what they do with Houston does is puts Clint Capella on the baseline and starts him there. And, so that's like actually the end of the pick and roll. Well, there's some Harden's so good in isolation, he beats the guy. So if Mike or Donovan has somebody they can beat, maybe you're running a small, small pick and roll to create some sort of confusion so they can beat someone. And Rudy's starting on the baseline, then the big has to stay with Rudy. And when the big comes forward, then you're lobbing over his head to get Rudy. So actually, the answer might be moving away from Rudy Gobert in the pick and roll and moving to small, small pick and rolls and things of that nature. But then you've got to find a way to keep Rudy engaged offensively. So that's that's the trick that... That exists there. How do we overcome our lack of bench productivity? Jeff Green with our starters look to be a good fit. Maybe we see this more. I mean, 
part of this is having $30 million players, right? We have two $30 million players. You don't have a bench anymore when you have $30 million players. We've talked for years about how great our bench was. You know, what we were the last few years is that we were, I used to call it three through 15, three through 12 depth. That we were, you know, every time we went to another guy, we were actually better. If Neto's your third point guard, you're actually better than most people. Um, that's um, that's the uh, that's the kind of mix that we have now. With thir- now our top five is better than probably anybody's top five in the NBA. Our top one's probably not. Our top two's probably not. But our top five is. And so you, at some point, it falls off. Now numbers will tell you the top five is more important than than three through 12 depth, but we won a lot of games because of three through 12 depth. Just because one's better than the other doesn't mean that the other doesn't have value also. Um, so that's interesting. How did you get that background? Uh, we built it for part of Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, so hopefully we'll get this going for all of the Lockdown Podcast Network and have live shows so you can like click into the Denver Nuggets show or the Memphis Grizzlies show or the, or the Minnesota Timberwolves show or the... Locked on 49ers show, and they'll all be live once a week for you if we get a go. That'd be cool. Uh, what's with all the traveling calls, especially with catch and drives? Half of them seem like they should be no calls. Guys are jumping their feet before they before they put the ball down the floor. It's a it's a travel, and they're calling the shove off offensively. It's uh, Ben Golliver, and I talked about this on Locked on NBA today, and that is uh, the de- offenses are down, and I think that's why. So offenses are down a little bit right now. Chase Wright from a YouTube account. If I was Quinn, I would want Bogdanovich to shoot at least 10 threes a game. He's shooting so well, he could be our version of Clay Thompson. I agree 100%, Chase. 11 last night was great. The best part of his 11 last night was six uh, free throw attempts as well. But absolutely, if Bogdanovich can, can get 11, 12 three-point shots a night, I think that would be absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think that's what he should be. Uh, love the show. What is the feeling of the organization about the potential of Jarrell Brantley? There's a great uh, – I'm mean, going to – Bart Taylor and I sat down and talked during training camp. He, uh, he's the GM for the Stars. He had a great comment. So, Justin Wright-Foreman, Mia One, Jarrell Brantley, they come to – as number one options, best players on their team, anyone comes to the NBA does. They have this wide, wide-ranging game right now. And what you need to do to survive in the NBA is that you now have to go and narrow your game down. Think about an upside-down triangle and narrow down the pieces of your game that are actually going to work for you in the NBA. So Jarrell Brantley was a one-on-one spin, back down, uses size player at College of Charleston. Eh, I don't think I want him doing that, right? But he can handle, okay? Uh, he can probably take advantage of a smaller guard on a mismatch. Uh, he can defend and rebound a little bit. Like, he's got to narrow his game down to figure out what it's going to be that makes him an NBA player. And that's what the G League is all about. Now, what's interesting about this, and I think it's such a contrast, is we put these guys in the G League where they're actually better than everyone else, and then we put them in Summer League where they're actually better than everyone else, and they actually widen their games back out. Like, I'm convinced that Trey Lyles' Summer League year destroyed him because he came back out and shot every time when what Trey Lyles needed to learn how to do was narrow his game. Now, maybe Trey Lyles just wasn't going to be an NBA player. He's out of the starting lineup in San Antonio now, too. Um... He just didn't, he wasn't good enough in his skills and lacked athleticism. Maybe he just wasn't good enough. But that's my, that's, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to get these guys to narrow down. But, you know, there is some, some, argue, there's some guys on that Stars team uh, that they really like. And the Stars, I think, have won four in a row. It'd be great to go out and watch them play. Uh, those would be some good ones. By the way, we're home Friday and Saturday. So UtahJazz.com for tickets. 
Comments on Exum, another YouTube. we got a lot of YouTubes today. Uh, do you think we'll fit his ro- into the rotation, be productive, or do you think he may become a trade piece? Um, I, you know, let's give him time. I have, it's been two games. He's played two, he's played four games since January. Um, and, uh, I, I would, I would give him a break. Can you tell me where to get the headband Joe t-shirt? Oh yeah, I totally can. I'm wearing the head, uh, breaking And I think we might have it on the lockdown page there. Um, let's see breaking slash locked on. Let me see what we have. Uh, we have a bunch of MVP stuff for Cody Bellinger. Um, is it on there? Danny Dimes should be. Um, Minshaw stuff that was hot for a while. Yep, Joe Ingles shirt is there. Headman Joe T-shirt's the very bottom. Uh, BreakingT.com/slash/lockedon. So make sure you grab that one. It's available for you. Should be fun. Uh, yes, I have the shirt. All right, that was great. You guys are so super. We'll do uh, points gain tomorrow. We'll get you ready for the Warriors and Oklahoma City or and uh, New Orleans. <clears throat> and then we'll go on the road. We have this crazy stretch of 11 straight days where we either play or are on a plane. Um, what do you think our record will be for the next 20? God, no idea. You guys are incredible. You want me to know everything. Uh, these are great questions. All right, I will try to run back through some of these questions. Um, when the show ends, it kind of disappears, but I'll have to go back to them. Thanks for listening on Twitch, on YouTube, and on Facebook, on Locked On Live, on Periscope at Locked On Sports, and on Instagram at DLock09. I'm David Locke. This has been Locked On Jazz. Why don't you tell your smart device to t- play the most recent episode of podcast, Locked On NBA? It's Locke and Golliver Thursday. You got to jump on that next. Have a great day. When you're done with that, tell your smart device to play most recent episode of podcast, Rejecting the Screen. Have a great one.